Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast, hosted by three friends who were brought together by their heroin-addicted partners. We became each other's biggest support through some of life's toughest times. We're not licensed professionals, and nothing in this conversation is professional advice. But we hope our stories offer a glimpse into how these issues weave into our everyday lives. You're not alone. We can all get through it together. Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. Um, Today, we're going to talk a little bit about how our lives have changed um, by being involved with addiction and recovery. So, yeah. So, how did this topic come up? So, it was my friend who had been listening to the episodes, and so she was curious on, you know, how have we changed? Would we be the same people? Mm. Like, what has changed for us since our spouses have come out that they've had an addiction problem. So I thought it was a good topic to bring up with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so, Alex, what do you, what do you think? Like, what's changed for you? Like everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly. But, I no, I think it's a good topic. I mean, it's not something I think about all the time. Um, definitely thought more about, like, how things are different when we first got together and I had this other idea of like what my life would be like oh. and then you know comparing it to like what it actually sure. is but um, so I'm going to try to kind of go back there a little bit but I think in the biggest piece for me is um, I just feel like <laughs> I just feel like I have to have like this better um, just like this more resilient like kind of go with the flow like I can't control my life like it's the I think that's the biggest piece for me is that I've always been a I'm a planner like that's my job like a project manager like I I, and I manage my life like it's a freaking project sometimes (laughs) but that's been the biggest thing is like when you're with someone who has in recovery life doesn't go to plan no and you have to kind of figure out how to live in like today and take tomorrow as it comes and I think that it's a it's a lesson I would have had to learn anyways in my life because being like this ang- anxious and like controlling of my life isn't really helpful to me um but that was one of the biggest like the first things that came up was like well the, the way that you are handling this and always being so upset about the way things are going versus like your expectations that was the first thing that had to change for me. So figuring out how to like, just like they say in recovery and like in the program, like you have to kind of surrender and take it one day at a time and um, just go like that. Like that was something that like mind shift was huge for me because I would think, well, we didn't, you know, we were engaged and he went into treatment and I pushed my wedding off because like I can't get married because this isn't the way it's supposed to go. And then after that, it was like, OK, well, I can get married, but then we can't buy a house because I can't like if something happened, like we couldn't I can not live my life like that. So it was just like kind of figuring out how to live with this like uncertainty, but also live. If that makes yeah. sense. So it's a protection, too. It seems like you were prote- protecting yourself sort of. more. Because you couldn't buy a house because you were with an addict. You couldn't get married. Yeah, I don't know what I'm I'm trying to explain, but it's like, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a, a, it was kind of a, 
a protection, but it was also mainly just like, I have no control over my life and it's not going the way like these certain boxes aren't checked, so I can't move to the next step. Yeah, I think that's what I was hearing from Mm -hmm. you was it was more eye-opening in, you know, normally you would have had, this is what life is supposed to look like. You do this and you check that box and you can go to the next thing and it's just like checking off the boxes. And then you throw in something chaotic and kind of out of control with addiction and recovery and it just shakes things up and it really, like, makes you realize, like, oh, you... Life isn't just about, like, checking off right. the boxes. It's not a step. Um, yeah. And I think you mentioned something. I can't remember how you worded it. But um, that I think a lot of things that have changed for me dealing with addiction are not necessarily just because of addiction. Some of them are. Mm-hmm. But I think there are things that I would have dealt with at some point in my life. But maybe mm-hmm. it progressed more quickly. Oh, like, yeah. Similarly to Mm -hmm. you, I am very planned and I had a, you know, like, oh, you check off the box. First you do this and then you do that. Yeah. And the addiction part brought it to light, like, much quicker. Like, oh, it doesn't necessarily work like that. But I think once you have kids or if there's, like, a medical problem in your family or who knows what other things might happen, like... shakes that up and makes you realize like oh I don't really have control right it just happened in a different way that than I would have (laughs) imagined yeah it happened with the addiction but even just being pregnant has brought a lot of things to light for me like when I first thought I'm like a healthy person but when I first got pregnant I was like oh this is gonna be great like gonna be pregnant for 10 months or whatever (laughs) forever and then I'm gonna have a baby and then it's like there are things though that like are out of my control that have happened in my pregnancy unrelated to just related to my genetics like nothing to do with me or anything I'm doing but it does it's not going to my plan and I think it had I not been in a relationship with a recovering addict I would have learned this lesson this way right like I would have seen like Mm. oh you can't control this it's not gonna go exactly the plan so do you feel like you have had some coping mechanisms then for dealing with your pregnancy not going as planned (laughs) because of yes the addiction i was just talking to my therapist about this yes but i realized that i went back to the original way i reacted to his addiction with my pregnancy because it was a different context and so it was it wasn't about like I don't have control over him like that's kind of what was like the first boundary for me dealing with the addiction was I can't control him so like how how can I control myself like what can I do for myself well this is like literally happening in my body Uh. and I'm like I don't know like it took me a minute like a lot longer to realize that like I have no control over like this alien growing inside of me and everything (laughs) he's doing to my body I don't have control over that, but it's still my body, so it's, like, harder to, like, mm-hmm. I was trying to, like, control it still. Well, if I work out and do this, or if I eat this, or if I take these, fa- it was still the same obsessive controlling part that I was trying to apply. But at the end of the day, like, my mom, she's been an OB nurse for, like, 30 years, and anyways, I have um, should, really shitty genetics with pregnancy, but she was, like... <laughs> This, there's nothing you can, there's like literally nothing you can do. This was like embedded in who you are from the time you were born. You're going to have this problem. And it just took her saying that to me for me to realize like, oh, I could just like relax and like let this happen. 
you know, and like just do like live my life and let it happen and trust in my doctors or in my higher power or whatever. But it's the same exact mindset with addiction. It's yeah. Like you have to like let it let it go just let and it turn it go. over to yeah your higher power other people right whatever it is yeah yeah so this is huh. just who i am and i was like it's just yeah it's interesting that it you're right it just made me deal with this years ago but i wish it would help more but <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you were quicker to recognize yeah it. maybe and something that might have helped you mentioned um therapist i think that has been a change mm-hmm. which is something I would like to think that I would have eventually gone to therapy, but I don't feel like there was anything in my life that I really like thought of like, oh, you know, I had some anxiety, but I don't even think I recognized it Mm -hmm. that much. And I think it's something I probably would have downplayed. Like, I don't really need to go see somebody for this. Like everyone just feels anxious sometimes. But when we had a big thing like a relapse with Jake that sort of forced us into going to therapy and which was good for our relationship but I also found a lot of things that I needed to work on like personally that were outside like not related to his addiction or to our relationship and so and then I started going seeing our counselor Mm one-on-one and a lot of our sessions do have to do with things related to addiction and to Jake but then a lot of it was also just things in like the way that I grew up or how I handle things now. And I wonder like if it yeah. weren't for the addiction piece, would I be in counseling and would I be working on these things? I mean, maybe I think, I mean, so I relate too, but I think yes, eventually just not as yeah, soon. I think so it's kind of a blessing in that way because you get to kind of deal with a lot of stuff that people maybe don't deal with until their way into adulthood and something happens and then they're like so ingrained in the way that they were like yeah. in those bad habits or those that behaviors. reminds me of a story when you said it was kind of a blessing I was talking to one of my friends one time about Jake and I going to counseling and she and her husband were kind of in a like a rough patch of their marriage they, they were just having communication issues and things like that and she had asked him to go to counseling he was like I don't think we need that and was not open to the idea and she said you know you you guys are lucky that you're going and working on these things that it's forced you to go and like have Mm -hmm. this communication and have somebody who's helping you work on it and she was like because we don't have anything quote unquote like big enough that he feels like justifies us going to counseling and so we're not working on this but it's an issue in our relationship that's going to yeah probably keep festering and I was like oh I didn't really think about that but yeah. it's true it's helped our communication yeah. so much it's too big to handle on your own so you're like forced to go outside yeah. and so that's another thing for me I think that because we had to pursue help like from treatment or therapy it kind of again took it out of my control but then it made me realize that like okay this is much bigger I put more things into perspective like I have to I have to do these different like I have to I can deal this is how I deal with problems and I kind of learned how to with him like communicate about big things happening which also helps communicate about little things happening Mm -hmm. over time um but also for me I think one change is like I was in I was like uh, engaged before and we'd been together for like four years and um 
I broke up with that person who was like, like on paper, great, but I broke up with him for something so dumb. <laughs> so little and I think back and I'm like it also changed my perspective on how my commitment to my relationship and how to like work through challenges with someone it it was again I was judging that what that per that ex by like the checklist like you know this is what I need this is and he doesn't fit that mold so I gotta find someone else (laughs) and and that but that's just kind of how I thought about my life and about jobs and I was applying that to a lot of things um so yeah, it changed the way I look at commitment and like working through problems and just like, yeah, how, how do I deal with things outside of that don't fall within my expectations? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think you and Alex, you and I had, had a, that conversation of like, it's forcing us to make sure that we are committed to our spouse and we want to be with our spouse instead of 50 years down the road when the kid gets mm-hmm. out, do you still want to be with them? Like we're making that decision constantly like every day yeah yeah right right. making the choice to stay instead of just kind of checking out and eh, you know we'll deal with them later down the road so and you know we were all in our early 20s when all this happened like yeah I just think that that just does something to you like when you go through things right younger yeah because I'm thinking back like my friends getting married at that time so we were in our mid-20s and like the things that they would get upset at their spouse for or like Mm. um small like fights that the fights they would have and stuff like this and I'm like my husband is using illegal drugs and or my fiance and like or he's we don't live together right now because he's in treatment and it's just like it made me realize that there are some they're just like I don't know, just put into, like, like the life's, the potential of life's problems into perspective a little bit more. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't have to be worried if he's, like, playing a video game for two hours. Like, I'd much rather him be doing that than, like, using drugs and pass out in a car or right. something. That reminds it's me like <laughs> when Jake was first in treatment, my coworker at the time was complaining about her mother-in-law had come over to, like, watch the kids, and then she made dinner for them, but she made the one meal that my coworker hates. Oh, and dear God. was going on and on about how <laughs> terrible it was, and I'm sitting there like, yeah, Jake is in um, treatment because he's a heroin addict. Like, right. And I just remember thinking, like, you should be grateful that your mother-in-law even made dinner. You don't have to make dinner. Or that you have a mother-in-law. Like, yeah. you know, it's like... Yeah, I do think that's something that's put in perspective. Probably we talk a lot in group about gratitude and trying, oh. mm-hmm. you know, look at things from a grateful, grateful perspective, um, which helps. It can be hard to do that, and it doesn't mean that I've stopped getting upset by like petty things or right. like small annoyances. But I think I've gotten better at or trying to get better at the way I react to those things. Yeah. Like, and that has also come from counseling. Like there would be times where my reaction could be the same for like, Jake didn't put away the bag of chips. I might react at the same level as, Oh, and now I found out you relapsed. Like uh. it's just helped me, um, I guess balance my reaction and like think through things. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think something that's changed that I've kind of thought about recently since I knew we were going to do this is like it took away some of 
my innocence or my yeah. naivete. Is that yeah. a word? <laughs> I know so, what you're trying to say. I'm not sure how you say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, you know, walking down the street, you know, going to my, you know, it's a half mile from where I work to where I park. Like, I see drug deals. I see things going on like you know I hear a story about somebody it's like something's up like I'm just not as naive to the world that I live in this perfect bubble and I'm you know just living this great life it's like no like shit's going on in the world things are bad you know I don't mean to be dramatic about it but I mean I'm just not as naive to my husband's a heroin addict like right I mean your life wasn't perfect like you like don't I just go back to that so much because that's how I feel like I have this expectation. Like, I meet a boy, and he tells me he loves me, and he gives me a ring, and I find a dress, and we're happily, we get married, and it's happily ever after. We yes. have kids, and we both have jobs, and we love coming home together, and we eat dinner. You know, like, you have that, like, some people live that life, and I, yes. that's awesome. But then there are there's, like, another side of it that's like, well, not everyone's life goes like that. And there are big, there are problems. People have problems, and that don't fit into those like, you know, maybe my husband doesn't have an, an eight to five because he has to live in a halfway house or something. You know, like there's just you've you've seen other possibilities for the way that the world works. Yeah, and now you can't unsee that. Like you can't yes live like life can just be that perfect little thing because it's not right. Yeah. Well, I would say. That when I, if you see on social media people posting their perfect lives like that, I would say I'm more skeptical now where I'm like, is that really what's happening? Because even if there's not an addiction issue, like, there's there's still shit you're dealing with or something. And so um, I feel like something that's changed for me is I'm a lot more aware of, I don't know what other people are dealing with. And if someone is kind of... Yeah. yeah, and if somebody is kind of short with me at work one day, like rather than just taking it personally or being like, "Oh man, what a bitch," am I? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, who knows what's going on with them? I know for me, like the last six months, mm-hmm. there have been times where I've like left work or I've gone and cried in the bathroom, and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, people just don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 There's that quote of like be nice to somebody you don't know the secret battle oh, they deal yeah. with mm-hmm. and that's always such a a good quote that I've always thought about mm-hmm. yeah yeah because yeah. even if people aren't dealing with like addiction although a lot of people are yes um I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that people deal with. Family illness. And it could be little to big. Parents getting divorced. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. It could be, I mean, it could be an abusive relationship. It could be anything. I mean, you have no idea. So I think, yeah, for sure has made me more compassionate about, like, the other things that, that people have to deal with and carry around every day. Yeah. Like, we do this. And I think, uh to your point of like the living the fairy tale Mm -hmm. um raising you know you can't do this without like the village or something so Mm -hmm. i do not believe that my husband can provide me with everything that i need so i think that is something that i i did grow up with the fairy tale he's gonna be everything my best best friend friend. and my shining armor yes yeah i used to think that too Yeah, no. and, I, and I used to, like, try to get that from him. Like, I want you to like all the shows I like, and I want you to go to, like, all the things I like to go to and see the movies that I like to see. And, it, and I think it 
it wasn't necessarily because of the addiction, but more so because my husband is who he is, and he was like, uh, no, <laughs> not doing that. Um, that I had to really realize, like, oh, I can be my own person in a relationship, not like we don't have to do all the same things together, spend all of our time together in order to like be together. But I didn't get that at the beginning. I kind of thought it was supposed to be. Right. I think you brought up a good point to me. Um, like he's supposed to be your sexual partner, right. your best friend, person you come home to bitch to, the person who's helping you clean the house, like helping you raise the kids. Like that's just a lot for one person. Right. And I don't want to be all that shit to him too. You know? Oh yeah. Like it goes both ways. Like, I don't like, I don't want, like, I, I went to some, an event last night that I really didn't want to go to that he likes, but I don't want to do everything that, like, he likes to do because some of it is boring. He likes to watch UFC fights, and I hate that, and it's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst, but I'm not going to pretend like I like it and, like, be involved because I want us to have the same interests. Like, you can have that without me yeah. there, so. Thank you for saying that. Steve wants me to go to a Grateful Dead meeting. And I'm just, oh, come on. I love when we go to that meeting. Uh, <laughs> I'm probably going to go, but maybe I need to tell him because I pretend, I sorry, babe. I pre- kind of pretend that I like it. And yeah. I, it's just kind of, I, you listen to a whole Grateful Dead concert. I just can't, man. <laughs> I just can't. Yeah. Wow. And it's okay not to like Well, it. I might not be able to go because of work. So well. if I don't go, then. I'll be mad at you. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think um, friendships have changed. For you? Yeah. How so? Uh, I don't have a lot of friends, and so I think having... I don't have a lot of fake friends. So it's oh. like, if you're my friend, like, we are friends, and that mm-hmm. mean, that means something to me. Right, right. And so, like, my relationship with you guys, I would have never met you, right. and, um, you know, and maybe you can talk on this more, Alex, like, you, you're just not, like, an open, no. open up kind of person, and so I think, you know, we all shared about how, like bad shit is going and so some of my friends don't even know all the awful things that have happened mm-hmm. I think you guys are in the same boat yeah so I think friends I was just talking to my therapist about this too about my friendships but I agree like before I had friends that were like they were people that I kind of grew up around or like ended up in college with or like I kind of got to know them by proximity not because like we had a ton in common, right? Like we were born in the same school district and like (laughs) we went to school together or we ended up at the same college or whatever. But it was always kind of by chance that I like, and then we found ways to be friendly. Like he was like, oh, you want to go to a party? Or, you know, you just kind of got along with like people because that's what you do when you're in your early 20s and like you just make these friends. But none of those relationships have really stuck because like you said, it's like I had never really opened up. I was never really honest with them about. And at the time, I don't know what was going on in my life that I would have been. But, like, I've never really, I would never have, like, just told them, like, about my fucked up childhood or something. You know, it's, it was just nothing that came up. But then when, again, you had to reach out for help in a, with a problem that's, like, so much larger than you. I think it forced me to open up. In, in a family meeting because it's like this is how I need to figure out how to survive so I did that and then as a result of that meeting you guys and then having actual friendships where people actually know what's going on in my life mm-hmm. is so much different than the friendships I had I had in school and stuff where I was like we just gonna hang out after school or we play the same sport or like but I wouldn't tell them like my pa- about my parents' divorce or anything like that it was like I've never had friendships like that where we like 
I was just honest about how I was feeling. And so I think this has forced me, luckily, I'm glad, but like forced me to kind of open up to other people about my problems. And like, it, it's helpful, like to know other people are going through the same thing and to like have someone understand. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah. for sure changes friendships. And then, so I, like you said, you don't have like fake friends. Like I don't really make fr new friends that I wouldn't be a hundred percent honest with. I think it helps me reframe my friendships like, you know, is this something that is just like, why am I, why am I investing my time in yeah. this person or in this relationship, yeah. really the relationship, like, because I want it to be something where I can just be myself and like, I can feel comfortable, Yeah, which is yeah. way different than I was. I think for friendships, so I think a couple of different things for me, so I have a few groups of friends that I am very close to outside of you guys. And mm -hmm. I think that this made those friendships stronger. Like we went even more on like a deeper connection. Mm -hmm. um, those groups of friends couldn't relate to like the addiction part, but there have been other experiences. Like one of my best friends um, had to break off an engagement with because of cheating and mm -hmm. things like that and so we could connect over like the feelings of betrayal or mm -hmm. like the things the way you thought your relationship was going right was a lie and so finding commonalities and that even though it wasn't the same story um, there were like a deeper connection built in that way and also you know people, my friends who maybe couldn't relate that way just them being there for me and supporting brought like a closer we brought us closer and a mm -hmm. more sense of support than maybe would have been before if it was just a little bit like more superficial and then I think it expanded my friendships by going to um, the support group I met you guys mm -hmm. who you know we might not have crossed paths otherwise and now it's like a huge part of my life and being able to have people who understand in a more intimate way like what addiction and recovery and all of that feels right. like and even outside of us and our close friendship the other people in our group who they're not necessarily like close friends of mine but they are like this support group that I know I have mm -hmm. that sometimes they know things more than like acquaintances or like mm -hmm. work friends and people and so being able to go into that room and see faces that you know understand what you're saying and care about you and are supportive um, has been a huge benefit to me. Mm -hmm. So I think something interesting that another girlfriend brought up and um, she's almost talking about it in a like a mad way is so uh, I got pregnant, had the baby, you know, they said, hey, do you want Vicodin, you know, to go home? I'm like, no, you know, and so she was just barking up like, you can't even have a surgery. True. I can't even have a surgery without worrying about getting a pill. I can't, I will always worry about if one of my kids breaks their legs and dad has to take them to the doctor that mm. the, that, yeah. uh, they would he would take their pills you know i always have to worry that if he goes to the doctor and he could make up something and get a pill you know there's just always that kind of worry mm -hmm. um i've that, been thinking about that too just oh, because of being delivering soon yeah like thinking about 
Like, I didn't, well, first, this is just an aside, but do you know that they put fentanyl in epidurals? Oh. Yeah. yeah, the thing has fentanyl in it. It's like, <laughs> listen, it's painful. <laughs> but I and you still know. feel it. <laughs> I didn't know that they used that, but anyways, but it made me think about like, okay, so it, I'm going to be in pain recovering from like a surgery thing. And then like, what how, do I just take pain pills home? Or like, do I try to just like get by with freaking Tylenol like I don't know but it's it's that's true that's a really good point like you always have to think about that yeah even uh when Charlie has been hurt since he's been in recovery he's had he's had surgery and had to be on narcotics and it like there was no he like broke his leg crazy broke his leg there was no way that that. he was going to be able to get through that but so he had he was like prescribed narcotics but then it was like he had just gotten out of surgery and i had i talked to the doctor and i was like you cannot prescribe us more than a couple of days because he was going to give us a full prescription i was like you cannot and and it took like two conversations like we cannot take home that amount and so i mean it was just like it was almost a burden on me in this time where i had to be like he can advocate for himself and he's in pain and so of course he wants whatever but um yeah it was like no you can't send us home with that like having to like talk to them about addiction and like what's the realistic plan like and we ended up, he was on narcotics for two days and then went to Tylenol and, and ibuprofen, which was fine. But then I had to administer that. And then, you know, it was like that whole, it's like an extra burden. Yeah. Even for this second pregnancy, um, we were in the hospital and they had said something. And Steve was like, hey, if you want to get um, whatever, let's just say Vicodin. If you want to get Vicodin, if you're in pain, because this labor was a little rough, mm-hmm. it's fine. You know, you can put it in the safe. I can get it out or I can bring the safe to you, you know, whatever. And I was like so uncomfortable with that. I, I couldn't, there would be no way um, that I would have ever taken Vicodin. Yeah. Because then you're worrying about a new baby and it's like, and now I'm supposed to trust you that you're going to keep it in the safe? No. Right. And then if I'm all hopped up on Vicodin and no sleep, like, how am I really going to know that I still have six pills left? Like, right. It's no, I will thing. deal with the pain and not just for the sake of no pain pills in the house right mm-hmm. yeah so taking away some of that innocence too mm-hmm. or just like the ease of life right oh, like, okay yeah ease of life okay it was like it could be easier like why does it have to be like this like it, uh, yeah i just think it always complicates things in ways you don't imagine and especially in a time when it's like this is what makes me mad <laughs> <laughs> but the, another thing that the pregnancy has brought out is that I need taken care of sometimes, right? And, like, my priorities need to come first. But a lot of times when someone's in recovery, it's what they need has to come first to protect their recovery at, to a certain point, like, to, until they can get established and things. And so I feel like I've done that a lot with Charlie. Like, mm-hmm. go into recovery. Like, you need to live in a halfway house because that's the best for you. So I'm going to sacrifice and live alone. and Or whatever it is. Like, whatever the circumstance is. But now it's like, I'm about to push a bowling ball out. And ah! I, I may need <laughs> taken care of. Like, I, I would rather have a husband that could, like take care of me and like give me my pain meds and make sure I'm okay without having to have that worry of like but if that's not my life and that's like yeah it's that's frustrating yeah yeah, yeah. the way you have to think about those things definitely has changed yeah it sucks mm-hmm. but whatever 
<laughs> so mm. what else? Like, what else has changed in our lives? Do we talk about, like, just the understanding of people? Yeah, I guess the compassion of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about being more open about your problems to the outside world? I'm not, so. I'll say I am. You think? I guess you are. Yeah. I'm just so uncomfortable being... I have trouble being open with anyone, like, like, even my husband sometimes, or, like, my therapist who I see literally it's just me and her, and I'm, like, sometimes I can't tell her stuff I want to tell her. Oh, yeah, that's oh. right. It's just, this is who I am. Like, I'm a, yeah. I'm a locked box type of person. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot for, I mean, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but the podcast is, is uncomfortable for me. Yeah. It's, like... I, this is way out of my comfort zone, like, 100%. Like, even telling you guys things all the time, I'm like, I wouldn't do that normally outside of this situation. But it's good for me to do. Like, it's healthy, and I'm, like, working through it. But, yeah, I'm not open to the world about it, like, as easily as you you guys are. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of, I am kind of open about it. Like, I'll be in an Uber and talk about addiction and stuff. Oh, I yeah. don't. I don't really do that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it comes up. Wait, what, why would it come up? <laughs> you know, I just talk to Uber drivers about oh, things. Oh, so that's, well, we're very different there. I don't talk to the no, driver. No, I'd rather I not. Wish they, oh, I wish they I had the, I want to know the story. Um, like, the thing on the app where you could choose to be like, don't talk to me, and then they oh, would yeah. know <laughs> not, not to. Um, I would say that I have opened up more with like friends or especially I think in this last year I've opened up more with people outside of even just like my close friends with mm. whether it's co-workers like I feel like I'm getting to a point where I'm like whatever I don't I mean I don't want to go as far as say I don't care but mm-hmm. getting to a point where it's like this is what life is and mm. you know you get kind of tired of trying to keep everything straight of like who knows which parts mm-hmm. and like something I always struggled with was feeling like I wasn't being fully honest with different people um, oh, yeah. I should take that back I am like I, I do I am honest about Charlie being in recovery with almost everyone but I definitely do not share details with everyone yeah, does yeah. that make sense so I, I, I found a way to like which is was like huge for me at the beginning but to really be honest about like this is my life like my like you know my husband is in recovery without giving any details which I think is fine I don't feel like we owe every person that we know or talk to like Mm -hmm. all of the details of things like it's okay to keep things private right we've talked about that before but I will say that in just kind of coming out and being more open about this I've had two people come out of left field and saying hey my mom needs help what do I do mm-hmm. or hey my and it's like oh like I that makes me very happy it, yes they don't need to know the details but like you know they've come and sought help yeah and hopefully that person is getting help mm-hmm. just because you know just being a little bit open or you know making kind of a sideways joke of oh well, he's a heroin addict you know that you know, could have opened the doors for some people to get help. Yeah, I guess that's something before this, I'm trying to think if I really knew anybody who was had an addiction. I mean, I'm sure I 
knew people but like didn't actually know because that wasn't something that was shared Mm -hmm. um and that has been something interesting through this process of like going to group and seeing all the different types of people has really like shifted my own um preconceived notions of who an addict is oh yeah you know like that's something that has changed where a lot of times you would think like oh they're like shitty people or they're just like yeah living under a bridge or whatever it is and then you know that it's someone that you love and you're like oh this is a, a good person they have a job like and you go into the group and there's people who their husband's a doctor or someone's a lawyer and right. Right. um so that was the I, I guess a big change is like the normalization of it yeah i think something that um so recently the super bowl was on and demi lovato was the singer and yeah i went to a super bowl party and I, and I was sitting next to this girl who i thought kind of knew she's like in our friend group and she's like oh demi lovato like oh didn't she just od and blah 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 and then she kind of started talking about drugs like all this kind of stuff and i'm just sitting there like looking at her like uh don't you know and i said hey you know you know steve is a heroin addict right she's like oh my god and then i i shared the podcast with her so um i hope she's listening i, I you know love yeah. for her to just get, get a different idea of what what it is yeah. um she thought it was alcohol um okay. but it is not right. so uh yeah it's interesting yeah so that was funny I, and you know something else like i you know i live with a little bit of guilt of as i'm getting as my children are getting older like am i supposed to share i'd be interested on feedback on this one am i supposed to share like if i go to someone's house like i would expect somebody to tell me if they have a gun in their home but like are you supposed to know that my husband's a heroin addict what he's not in active use so if he was in active use i I wouldn't let anybody come over or whatever anyway or let him watch the kid you know that's that's just right that's a different thing right but okay so if you take it back to just the gun in the house thing because it's a similar it's sort of People can be opinionated about it, right? They could not want their kid around it, but around a gun and a home. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So if we take it back to that and not the drugs, like when I think about that, it's like if I have a kid, if I'm taking my kids somewhere, I would, I would only do that with someone I trusted, like with their judgment, right? So if they're letting their kids live in a home that has certain things, and I'm gonna take let my kid go over there, I would, tr- I would want to make sure I trusted whatever that parent was doing. I would trust that they would do the same thing with my kid, the same protection they put over their own. Does that make sense? But maybe they're more free with guns and you're a freak about guns. Yeah. But, like, what about, you know, what if Suboxone's in the home? A kid could get a hold of a Suboxone and take a strip and... I mean, but there could be prescription meds in the home. I mean... Sure. I mean, it's just, like, you would have to trust that they would protect a child, no matter whose it is, from things that children should not have. Right? Like, there's some of that. Sure. I think. Yeah. I don't know how to, I don't know what my answer is on that. I don't think that, one, I don't think you need to tell them, oh, Steve is a heroin addict because that implies that he is actively in use. Um, And I I guess I'm maybe leaning towards, like, on a case-by-case basis, but, like, right now Steve is four-plus years in recovery. He's in an active program you feel completely comfortable with leaving your girls with him. Um, So I I guess in that sense, I'm thinking like, 
no, you don't need to yeah. divulge it. But it's just a but thought that's come in my mind. Another thought, like another girlfriend brought up to me, like, oh, like, have you talked to your three-year-old about if daddy looks like he's passed out and you can't wake him up? Like, what do you do? And I'm like, well, fuck. Nope. No. Sure haven't. It almost brought me to tears because there's a possibility that my three-year-old, four-year-old, as she gets a little older, he could use... And what if he is OD'd while watching them? And so I had to have that conversation with my three-year-old. Hey, if mommy or daddy doesn't ever wake up, like, if you can't wake us up, like, you go hit, you know, the red button on the security system and police officers and firefighters will come. They will help us. Like, you know, it, that was just a really sad conversation. So that you feel like that this is a change of something like that you're only having to deal with because of addiction or I think it is more likely. So yes. Could we have a heart attack? Could something happen in our sleep where, you know, my kid would, you know, but it just is more at the forefront because it's yeah. 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 Just something you got to think about. I mean, my parents taught me how to call 911. Like when I was little, I mean, I think that that's, that's, I get what you're saying for sure. Like it's more likely to happen. But also I think that you're not really teaching your kids something you wouldn't be anyways. Yeah. I mean, you know why you're teaching them that, right? Like that's your biggest fear is that. But it could be for any reason. It could be when their grandma is watching them, right? Like, so, I mean, it's... True. It's just something that they would have to know anyways. Right. And But maybe it's my frame of mind is drugs and addiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, like, yeah, I guess that's something that has changed for me with being around drugs and addiction and so much more and like talking about it now whenever i like read things about someone passing away i immediately think like Mm -hmm. oh drug overdose like oh they're young yeah yeah die in their sleep whereas previously (laughs) i don't think my mind would have gone right to that i would be like oh some health problem or what is it but that it's something i've noticed that i always am like oh we have drugs i bet Mm-hmm. Well, I think it goes back to your point of like, you, it takes away some of the innocence of mm-hmm. your perspective. And it's, you have to be a little bit more cynical because your life, you've been lied to and manipulated in that way, like about those things. And so it's natural that you would kind of, your thoughts would go to that, like to protect, again, to protect from having to deal with that. Right. So, I mean, I think it's a real consequence. Yeah. Well, can you guys think of any other ways that we feel we've changed? I feel like it's hard to say, like, how you've changed. Because I'm like, like, if I wasn't going on this path, like, I don't really know what sure. yeah. I would I be like. In general, it's made me, like, grow up, you know. You know, like, yes. face. Sure. Like, just to be honest with myself about, like, where I'm at, what my challenges are, and kind of what I need to do to meet them um, in a way that I was just really immature before, but I was, and I was also young. But it definitely made me mature in a way that maybe I wouldn't have done so quickly. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I think something um, it's always is interesting to me, like in our group, when we are talking about like different cope, coping mechanisms or the way you think through things, Um, and it's related to addiction, how I've been able to take those things and relate them to other Mm -hmm. areas in my life and how I feel like that's valuable. Um, Just like 
trying to think through examples of like you know breathing or mm. like we talk about like focusing on your breathing and you know now I sometimes will find myself doing that in work if I'm like feeling stressed out about something mm. I'll be like Liz breathe mm-hmm. um or like the same things when we talked about keeping a gratitude journal like how that helps you like I'm trying to think are there any examples that you guys can think of from the gratitude for me is a big one I mean and just like what I was saying about I mean the basic skills of like uh going to a therapist to deal with something that feels like that you don't know quite know how to deal yeah. with and like or when we talk about things like surrender we didn't cause it you can't control it you can't cure it yeah like that is obviously we're speaking about it specific to addiction but then you find yourself in other areas mm-hmm. of your life in life and you're like okay I didn't cause this I can't control it like, right just like surrendering to like letting go of the control it mm-hmm. just, yeah that's one of the big ones for me but or like different phrases that um come in like uh worrying is like being on a rocking chair and thinking you're gonna go somewhere and you're not like <laughs> just like how like just the constant worry it doesn't yeah. help you yeah. anything and so I'll just find myself like pulling out little tidbits of like recovery talk mm-hmm. to help myself in other areas that's funny yeah well cool I think we've kind of covered everything unless anybody has anything else to share no I don't. I think that we covered all the way, a lot of the ways, good yeah. and bad, I guess. I think in general, like, I like to frame it as positive for me. Like, it's forced me to kind of grow in a way that maybe no other challenge really would have. That's what, yeah. You know? Oh, like, totally. I really had to, like, I mean, because I didn't just end up in this by chance, <laughs> this relationship. You know? Yeah. It's like, there was something that drew me to this. There was something that, like... I was exposed to or grew up with or some dynamic that that felt right and comfortable. Agreed. And so um, it's really kind of forced me to do my own self-work and work through some of those things or learn like learn healthy habits in place of the unhealthy ones that we had. And so, yeah. And yeah. I think it's an evolution. So mm-hmm. I think we're going to continue changing. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting if we had this talk like a year from now. Oh, yeah. See how things have been different so yeah it's just path yeah cool all right everyone well if you have any stories about how you have changed because of addiction in your life we'd love to hear them please share them at hello at boyproblemspod.com and keep coming back Thanks for tuning in to Boy Problems Podcast. If you enjoyed today's discussion, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this episode. Find us on social media, and if you have questions or ideas for topics, email us at hello at boyproblemspod.com.